Welcome to Park Community Church of Norwood Park. We exist to know God and make him known on the northwest side of Chicago. Join us at Tav High School every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We're glad you're listening in, and we hope that this message encourages you. Good morning, church. I don't know about you, but I have been so thankful for the many leaders that have led us in worship over the past few weeks and those that will continue to lead us. Do me a favor. Send them a text, send them an email, and let them know how much you appreciate that they're using their gift in this time. Let me tell you, it is so uncomfortable to be recording yourself and then to see that other people are going to see you in this, especially in the area of art, because all of us want to do it so perfectly. Man, I am so proud of every single person that's led us this week. Marianne, she absolutely killed it today. Why don't we, why don't we light up our, our comment section and just say thank you to Marianne, because she did an incredible job of leading us to worship this morning. Well, if I had not had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Bretton Smith. I'm the pastor here at Park Community Church, in Norwood Park in particular. And, and I'm thankful that we're able to spend this time together. But you know what? I would really like to get to know you. If anybody knows me, I really like people. I like to be with people, and so this is killing me. But until we're able to shake hands, I would love to still connect with you. And the way that we can do that is actually by you texting, texting Park New to 22333, really simple, 22333s, Park New. You have to put a space in between, and then you'll get this virtual connect card. And all you're going to do is give us the opportunity to reach out to you and to start a relationship. And then at some point, I can't wait, we'll actually be able to meet face to face. All right, so we'll do that. I want to give you guys a little bit of introduction for those who don't know Park, but also for you who has been part of Park to be reminded of this. Our mission at Park is to know God and make Him known. Really simple. You can't get it more simple than that. And the reason is because we want you to take it with you. It's simple enough that you're able to take it home. You can take it to work. You can take it to quarantine. It's pretty simple. Know God that's not it. You also live to make him known. Friends, in this season, there are more people that are turning to God. They're turning to God through Jesus because he is the only one that can give hope. Friends, friends, oh, would you have the joy of sharing your faith with someone? Would you have the joy of leading them to Christ. There is nothing like it. Trust me. Hear me. Don't be afraid of it. Let's be on mission together. Let's know God and make him known. All right. We're going to be going into Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verses 4. We're still continuing in this series. Second week of Your Kingdom Come, which is going through the Beatitudes, going through the Sermon on the Mount, just the first 12 verses. And that's where we're going to be today. Today we're going to be in chapter 5, verse 4 in particular, but I think I want us to actually read the entire passage together. There's something about reading that over and over every single week to get the context of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Not, not, not like Dan mentioned last week, not to what it means for us to get into, but what it means for us to be once we are in the kingdom of God. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, if you don't have a Bible, grab one. If you can't find a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, we'll have the passage on the screen for us this morning. And while you're finding your spot, while you're finding your Bible, I just want to give us one little tidbit about these Beatitudes as they're known. The first four of these Beatitudes have to do in our relationship with God. And the second four have to do with our relationship with others. 
Take a look, glance through them really quick. The first four all have to do with how we stand with God. That's an important piece for us as followers of Christ. But the second is also just important, which is how do we stand in relationship to others? Remember when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is just like that, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Man, this is exactly what we get to see in this passage. All right, let me read for us Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And this is what it says. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and started teaching them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this morning, we're going to be looking at verse 4 in particular. And you really can't boil it down any more than what's there. And that's my big idea. My big idea is this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You can't boil it down any more than that. You can't boil it down more than any of that. In this season, we have to remind ourselves of those words. I mean, there is so much pain and mourning and tears in this time. At the time of me recording this, there are over uh, 228,000 people that have died from this. And in the U.S. alone, there's over 61,000, almost getting to 62,000 people that have died from this disease, from the coronavirus. There is so much pain because every single one of those people that have died, they were sons, they were daughters, they were grandmas, they were grandpas, they were brothers, they were sisters, they were fathers, they were mothers. Every single one of those people that died had a name. They're not just a number. They're not just one of those that were part of the victims of this disease. They had a name. And their families are mourning for them. Now this disease has changed how we mourn. As I was scanning quickly through the internet, seeing uh, funerals and how people are doing this, this are some of the pictures that came up. Look at these pictures really quick. You can notice automatically the isolation and their despair, and their pain. Friends, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Oh, there is brokenness, and we mourn. And now more than ever, we need to hear Jesus' words. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We're going to look at 
three questions today. Who are blessed? Why do we mourn? And how are we blessed? Those are the three questions we're going to be looking at today, but why don't you join me in prayer? God, this morning as we enter into your word, as, you enter, as we enter into Matthew chapter 5, as we enter into the very words of Christ, would you still our hearts? Would you comfort us? Would we realize that there's much to mourn for? And Father, it's not just about all that's happening around us. There's much to mourn for because of what's in us as well. So God, I pray that this morning we'd be able to spend some rich time together in your word. Bless your word. Would it come back, having done and accomplished what it needs to accomplish in our hearts and in our minds and in our families and in our society and in our culture. God, we pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to answer that first question. Who are blessed? Who are blessed? are blessed. All right, let's stop and, and think about it. And the verse tells us right up front, blessed are those who mourn. But we got to think about it this. We flip that script so often. We often don't say blessed are those who mourn, but we actually say blessed are those who have no reason to mourn. I mean, how many times in your life, even in the last few weeks, have you said, I'm blessed? I'm blessed because, well, I have my health. I'm, I'm blessed because, well, I, I haven't had to bury a friend or a family member. I'm, I'm blessed because of where I live, because I have neighbors that help me. I'm, I'm blessed because I'm part of this church. But, but think about this. This verse is automatically attacking exactly what we believe, and that's that you're blessed if you have no reason to mourn. But automatically, right here, boom, bam, right up front, it says, blessed are those who mourn. So often, we don't know what to do with mourning. In fact, we think that mourning is a part of weakness. We think that to cry is to show that there's a, a chink in the, in the, in the armor, that, that all of a sudden, if you cry, you're going to start rusting through and that you're no longer going to be able to be that, that knight in shining armor that everybody expects you to be, the one who's in control and in charge. But, but friends, friends, did you know that Jesus mourned? It says in the Bible that he wept. It says in the Bible that there's at least two occasions that we know of that he cried. One of those is when he was approaching Jerusalem and he sees the city and he starts to cry over Jerusalem. But then another time was when he was at one of his friend's funerals. He says that he wept. In a movie that I remember watching in a league of their own, Tom Hanks, who plays a coach, this particular scene where all of a sudden he, he's getting after one of his players and he actually asks her, what team are you on? And as he walks away and he goes back to the dugout, he turns around and he asks this question. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. So often we start to think that that's the picture that we have, that there's no reason for us to cry ever. And while we look at that movie and we can laugh and chuckle about it, too often that sentiment is still true in all of our society around us. The reason why we don't cry or why we don't mourn, and here are a few reasons why we might not do that. The first is it's seen as a sign of weakness, which I already mentioned. The second one is that we fear what it could reveal. 
If we stop and if we mourn and if we cry, we're afraid of what we might see inside of ourselves. We're afraid to allow the mourning to, to take us to a place we, we would rather distract ourselves. Or we would rather fix it. That's another thing that we do. If I, if I can't fix it, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go make it right. Whatever the pain might be, I, I want to go fix that pain. Or if I can't fix it, I might as well fake it. Fake it. Why not? Fake that you're happy. Fake that you're okay. I know why sometimes you women will put on makeup. It's to cover up some of the pain and some of the fear and some of the hurt that you have been given. That's not all the time. I love makeup. But it sometimes, sometimes it plays that purpose and role in your life. If we can't fake it, then we want to forget it as soon as possible. I, I want to move on. I'm going to busy myself. I'm going to distract myself. I'm going to get myself into other things to make sure that I don't have time. And so, so maybe this COVID season is actually giving us a space that we need to be able to mourn. Friends, if, if you haven't mourned in the last few weeks, if you haven't had an opportunity to stop and to see the pain around us, let me invite you to take that time right now. We have to be a church that mourns. Mourning with those who mourn. That's part of our identity. It's part of what we do. But also, I don't want to miss this particular piece about this word mourn. It's not just revealing mourning as in when we mourn something that we've lost, like lost control or lost relationship. It's also attacking a very particular type of mourning. We mourn because of our sin. It's a spiritual type of grief. That's what this is pointing to. That yes, there is mourning and there's grief, but there's also spiritual grief and mourning that happens. There's this type of grief that actually is good for us. So that's the first one. Who are blessed? Uh, those who mourn are blessed. And the second one is, why do we mourn? Why do we mourn? Well, we mourn because we know we have a problem. We mourn because we know that we have a problem. Let me invite you to, th to, to read this passage with me. In Luke chapter 18, there's a story of, that Jesus tells of a tax collector and also of a, a Pharisee. Now both go into the temple to pray. And, and the tax collector, ch check this out. Check how he actually uh, talks about himself. Check out how he speaks about himself as he goes before God. This is the Pharisee that says this. God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Now this, this, this Pharisee, this religious ruler, this one who knew what was expected of him, was missing one of the greatest points. And that's what the tax collector got. In fact, he realizes that he does have a problem, and it's called sin. And this is what he says. He says in Luke 18, 13, Standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
Oh, we mourn because we have a problem, and that problem is called sin. And Jesus says only one of those men went home justified in the eyes of God, and it was the tax collector. When we realize that we've got something so deep and so dark and so bad, we can't even lift our eyes to heaven. And the only words that we can say is, have mercy on me, a sinner. There's that type of grief, there's that type of pain that goes down that doesn't even allow us to lift our eyes, but just to keep our heads bowed before God. But, but we also mourn because sin hurts. I mean, think about it. Sin hurts. But, but unfortunately, as believers, sometimes we're entertained by sin. And just think about this. What are some of the shows that you've watched over the last few weeks? I know you've had a little bit more time on your hands. What, what shows have you been watching? One of the biggest shows of the season right now, right? Tiger King. Think about that movie. Or think about that series. Man, it's like one thing after another of just sin stacked up on sin. And instead of being broken that that is a reality, we are entertained by it. And we can't wait to tune in to the next one or we binge watch. Oh, there's a lot of other shows. And you know what? I'm just as culpable as this as, as you might be. Stories like Viking, like the Vikings, or, or some other stories like Empire, or other stories like Cops. Yes, if you go back to that old show about cops, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? You start looking at all the stories in these, and you start going, what a mess. People are so lost, and instead of mourning, I hit play on my, on my computer, and I watch these, and I laugh, and I think about people's heads being cut off, and I think about all these things, and I go, whoa, that was incredible, but why am I not mourning? Why am I not hurting when I think about somebody conspiring to kill someone? Why am I not mourning when I see someone whose pride is so puffed up? Why am I not mourning about the sexualness that's all over the place? And I know these are, might just be shows, but they're realities in so many people's lives. Why am I not mourning? Because sometimes I'd rather just be entertained. Church, let us not give in to just be entertained. May we mourn because sin hurts. Sin hurts me. Oh, if I look at my own life, every single time I've sinned, I've hurt myself. But not only does sin hurt me, it also hurts those closest to me. It hurts those closest to you. There are ramifications to sin. If you have a sin and you keep on going back to that sin over and over and it becomes this pet sin, this little back pocket sin, this little sin that's comforting to you, whatever it might be, you, you go back to that sin and all of a sudden it starts to hurt the people around you. And it starts to hurt them really deeply. And you know this if you have children. You know how much you hurt your children when you see sin in your own life. You know how much you hurt your children when you have pride in your life or when you have anger in your life or when there's sexual immorality in your life. You know how how much you're hurting your marriage when all these things start to creep in all around you. Friends, 
It hurts us. It hurts those we love, those closest to us, but also hurts those we don't even know. Something about the society and the culture and their sins in our culture and our society that are celebrated, that are held on to. Most recent one that I've been thinking about and I've been seeing, and it hurts my heart to the core, and it's in the area of racism. Friends, friends, I feel like racism just kind of bounces around from people group to people group. And while there's times that you see the racism against the Hispanic population, or there's times you see racism against the African American community, right now there's a racism that's towards our Asian American community. Friends, would we not stand for that? Oh, would we be the ones that are actually advocating, that are encouraging, that are actually coming beside our friends who are from Asia and saying, do you know what? Do you know what? None of that is true. That's actually what led me and a few of other pastors here at Park to sign a document, to sign a petition basically saying, let us stand not to hurt, but to heal. Let us help our people realize that this is a sin, that this is wrong, and we can't get around it. It's, it's not, a, it's, it's not a something that's, that's supposed to be even alive right now. We need to cut it off. The kingdom calls us to cut this off, to confront the sin, and to truly mourn about this. We have to be the ones that stand up because nobody else will. Church, would we stand? Would we stand? Not for racism, but for bringing the joy of God's beautiful creativity in all of nature together. It's part of what we're called to. It hurts ourselves. It hurts those closest to us. It even hurts those we don't know. Sometimes, sometimes we confuse being caught in our sin with the sin itself. Sometimes we mourn that we got caught. And it's not even the sin itself that has hurt us or that keeps us up at night. It's the fact that somebody knows. It's the fact that we realize that this is going to break the relationship that we have with those closest to us. It actually just reminds me, this last week, um, I don't know about you guys, being at home, having all the kids at home, we have had a lot of things break. Uh, we had our door, front door break. The glass in our door broke. That was an accident. There was a little bit of anger involved, but, but it was predominantly an accident that could have happened to any one of us. I could have probably broken the door as well. But actually, my youngest daughter, Jenny, uh, she came up after what we call flat-on back time, and she had her hands behind her back and her head down. And she's walking to me, and I know that something's up. And so I say, Jenny, show me your hand. Kids aren't dumb. They're very astute. She keeps one hand behind and shows me the empty hand. All of a sudden I go, well, what's in your other hand? Other hand behind the back lifts up her other hand. She knew that she had broken something. Now, it happened to only be one of those hot dog roasters. It's not a big deal. But you know what? She wasn't caught. She came to me, and she thought that that must have been one of my prized possessions. And she looked at me, and she just said, Sorry, Dad. There's a difference. There's a difference between being caught and being sorry that you were caught 
being sorry for what it is that you did. Friends, we must mourn not the reality that somebody knows, but the reality that God knows. That's what we need to be so, so surrounded by. In fact, David, David was caught in a sin. David was caught in a sin with Bathsheba, and 2 Samuel actually tells us about this story in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And so Nathan actually approaches him and starts to talk to David about the situation, and he starts to give him this story, and when he finishes up the story, this is David's response. This is the response that David gave to him. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. That's it. I have sinned against the Lord. He he wasn't so much scared that he got caught or that Nathan was calling him out, but he stopped and he heard what Nathan was telling him and he said, I have sinned against the Lord. So when we allow our mourning to mourn for what it is that we have done. I want to give us a few things for us to be able to mourn well. We have to be able to mourn well. The first thing that we have for us in in mourning well, and not just the mourning of loss on earth, but even mourning spiritual loss, this is what what we have to to kind of guide some of our thoughts. Here's how we mourn well. Uh, Mourning takes time. Don't just try to flip a switch and be okay tomorrow. It takes time. Sit in mourning. Don't just try to hit the morning and say, I'm done. I finished. It's, it's almost like trying to tear out a weed by just chopping off the, 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 the top parts of it. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's going to grow right back. And honestly, if we just keep on chopping off the top, sometimes these weeds grow bigger and stronger and gnarlier and uglier and harder to get out. So sit in the morning. It's going to take time. But go deep. Tear out the roots. The next thing Mourning gets below the surface. Mourning isn't just something that's just a, a, a quick little fix. Mourning actually takes us deeper. It takes us lower. It takes us to some places that we weren't even realizing why we were mourning so hard for. So sit in that mourning. Mourning leads to healing. If we try to short-circuit this, this, this way that this is built up, we start kind of just ignoring it, or we start going back to those things that we were talking about before. We try to fix it. We try to run from it. We try to entertain ourselves. Whatever it is, we, we just try to let it go away, but, but mourning leads to healing. In fact, we could say it this way, mourning now brings joy tomorrow. Mourning now brings joy tomorrow. Spend time mourning. But know there's a day where true joy will come. Some of you have never mourned in your life. Maybe you've had sadness. Maybe you've had heartbreak. But have you really mourned? I want to invite you. You've got another month left of quarantine. Another month left of being in your home. Take advantage of the time and mourn. Ask the Spirit to reveal in what places, in what ways have you broke, are you broken. Mourn. 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 Because tomorrow there's joy. 
That kind of leads us to the next one. The next question is, how are we blessed? How are we blessed? It's, it's a paradox when you think about that. Remember last week when we were talking about what does bless mean, it's actually truly happy would be almost a better interpretation of it. So it's like truly happy are those who cry. That's, 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 a, that's a paradox. It's basically taking two true statements and mashing them together and you're thinking they're contradictory, but you start to realize it's not. And the reason why is because you will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn because they are comforted. Comfort comes from this Greek word, parakaleo. Parakaleo. Some of you guys might actually recognize that word. That word is the same word that's being translated as the helper or as the comforter, that, talking about the Holy Spirit. But parakaleo is also coming from Old Greek. And this Old Greek was the idea of calling one to yourself. Oh, think about that. Think about that. Think about God's comfort in that sense. Our greatest comfort today is that God calls us to himself. And he does this through his Holy Spirit. He does this through the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. He does this through giving us a great picture of, of, of his grace and his kindness and his mercy and his love. And what once was just this portrait of, of brokenness, talking about the cross, talking about torture, talking about pain, has actually become where our eyes are fixed for comfort. Why? Because it's at the cross that he accomplished the ability to bring us to himself. That's why Christians all over the world have the cross with them. Because we realize that it's at the cross of Jesus Christ that he has made it possible for his calling to us and for us to be able to come to him as his daughters, as his sons. We come to the Father. He has saved us. He has pardoned us. And in that, we find great comfort. So we find that comfort now, but we also find a comfort that's in the future. Notice the tense that's being used in this. It says, shall be comforted. Shall be comforted. That's a future tense. That has not happened yet. Our comfort reaches past our current life and it goes into the age to come. It goes into eternity. Beyond our creature comforts, beyond all these little things that we can have here and now, we are moved towards our full, complete Beautiful comfort. And in Revelation 21.4, we actually see this. We see this in, in real life. This is what it says, And he, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Welcome to the kingdom of God. And if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. There is no longer going to be pain. There's no longer going to be sorrow. Think about it. Death itself is gone. Oh, friends, that is just our future. That's what we're going towards. That's why we have this beautiful salvation now. It's, it's, it's here. It's present. The kingdom of God is breaking in to our reality, to our life. But it also gives us a great comfort for tomorrow. That one day we'll be in front of God where there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more death. Only light, only peace, 
his comfort. His comfort. I want to read for you the way that the message translation actually makes, uh, writes this out. It says this, You are blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. And this is true for you if you are in God's kingdom. This is true for you if you're a citizen of heaven. This is true for you if you recognize that Jesus' death on the cross has made it possible for you to come and be comforted by the Father. When I look at the Sermon on the Mount, it actually talks about two different people that are there sitting at, at, at Jesus as he's speaking on the mountain. Uh, you, you hear about when he sits down, the disciples come to him, and then you recognize that there's a crowd behind him. I want to ask you this question. Are you a follower or are you a fan of Jesus? See, there's a difference. A follower wants to learn. A follower wants to hold on to what he's teaching. A follower wants to put in practice these things. A follower realizes that there's nothing in his life that's actually worth mentioning, only Christ and his cross. But a fan, a fan sits in the background and looks on and, and cheers whenever there's something that they like that Jesus says. They hoot and holler and give high fives. But as soon as the word of God becomes something that's condemning, game's over. Are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus Christ? I want to invite you it's what Jesus is doing as he's giving us the picture of those who are in the kingdom of God. He's inviting us. See, Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friends, there is no greater burden than the burden of sorrow. There's no greater burden than the sorrow of our spiritual brokenness. And Jesus says, come. The author of Hebrews says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. His voice calls you to himself to comfort you. His voice is calling, Don't harden your hearts. He wants to comfort you, he wants to embrace you, he wants to bring you close to himself. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, I want to invite you to think about this. I want you to invite, I want to invite you to recognize, to recognize that through mourning, through mourning your life, through mourning your brokenness, through mourning your sin, you can find comfort. You can receive that which God has for you, and that's his comfort. So I'm going to pray a really simple prayer. And please, I know you're standing in front of a, a TV or a phone, but let me ask you to, to do this and to pray this sincerely if you have not prayed this yet. All right, it goes something like this. It's a really simple prayer. God, I recognize who I am. I have lied, I have stealed, I have cheated, I have become angry. 
And I recognize that all these things are an attack on you. I recognize my brokenness and I want to be comforted. Would you comfort me? Would you call me to yourself? Would your spirit be the one that gives me great joy today? Please forgive me for my sins because Jesus has accomplished everything he has to accomplish on the cross. I love you. Help me to follow you today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, please, please reach out to me. My email is at the bottom of the screen. I would love to connect with you. Because it's not just about entering into the kingdom, it's also about growing in the kingdom. And we'll walk with you. We want a disciple. We want you to see and understand what it means to be a citizen of heaven, what it means to be a daughter, a son of the king. And that's what discipleship is. It's really simple. And even in this COVID time, we can arrange it that we can still connect and that we can still encourage your growth in Christ. So please reach out to us. Now, for the rest of you, maybe you've already done that prayer, but there might be sin in your life that you haven't mourned yet. Let me invite you to take that space, to take that time. Let the Spirit work it out. Let the Spirit do an incredible thing that you never thought that you'd be able to be freed from this, and yet the Spirit is now tugging at your heart. Would you go to God and realize that it's only Him that you're hurting? Would you... Go to those that you love and let them know that you've hurt them in the process. Would you find great restoration and joy? Let me pray for us, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it goes out and it convicts us. That your word is constantly moving in us to bring us to a place of repentance. That repentance leads us to joy. And so through our mourning, we are comforted. Would we find your comfort today? It's in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for these moments. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We'd love to see you join us in person. You can find more information at parkcommunity.church slash Norwood Park.